fast as fuck, boy. Just like that. Just like that. Your nails are looking gorgeous. Thank you. Beautiful. What does they say? Two in the pink, one in the stink, homie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we call that the real shocker. Oh, my God. No, it's two in the pink, two in the stink, a real shocker. I think what the real shocker is is how much of a fucking loser I am when it comes to these games. <laughs> Dude, you can't catch a break. That's what I'm saying. I, I'm going to have to sit the next game out. I'm down. I feel confident. You know, I'm, I'll take Drizzy on any day of the you're, week. You're a worthy adversary, man. Thank you. And I'm just over here doing nothing. <laughs> I'm technically undefeated. You are. He you is, are. dude. The two-time champion. <laughs> two-time. Speaking of two-time champions, uh, uh, right now we're recording. It's uh, two days before the 4th of July, so yes. shout out to America, the two-time World War champion. Oh, yeah. Two-time. <laughs> Kick Britain's ass, boy. Uh, no, World War champion. Yeah, we kicked the Nazis. Yes. Yeah, and Britain though. We that was seventeen seventy six. Revolutionary War. Yeah, but that's not a world war. It's still a war. <laughs> Whatever. You know what I'm saying? All I know is it makes me think of the movie Patriot. Shout out Mel Gibson. Yeah, love that movie. Anyways, aim small, miss small. Yes. <laughs> so we got a lot to talk about. Um, we got a lot to announce. I think we should do the an announcement in a se- separate one. Yeah, like a small two minute video. I like right. that. So let's go ahead and uh, let's jump into talking about our... We, we each had homework. Right. Um, oh, we had homework? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Sorry. That's all right. So <laughs> we, each have, we each have songs we're going to talk about. Um, and do you want me to go first? Yeah, let's do that. All right. So I got, I got Hallelujah. Probably one of the most iconic songs out there, right? It's great. Um, like it... It, when it comes down to it, it's the most OP song ever. Uh, the the crazy thing about it is uh, just how long it took to actually become famous and become become what it is today, right? So it was what it was written by it was written by Leonard Cohen. Uh, it was released in 1984. Okay, it took him four years to write, over four years. Four years, wow. And. Uh, what happened was is uh, he he took it to his record label, uh, which was uh, I'm pretty sure it was ABC or something like that, and uh, he's a Canadian, so he took it to his label and uh, he said I would like to put this out on my on my record, and they said no, this is this does not sound good. It's it's a weak song, and uh, we don't want it. So. What happened was he left the label, went to a smaller independent label, and he was able to record it in 1984 and put it out on, on his own record. So, on his own album. Um, so, he went he went across the country touring and whatnot. Um, he spent over four years writing it, right? So, so it probably he, started in 1980? Yeah. And he has seven, 50 to 70 verses written for it. Whoa. Now, that's that's an abnormal amount oh, of, yeah. <laughs> of verses, right? Um, but it still didn't sound right. Like it barely made a ripple whenever he released it. And Leonard Cohen is literally a legend. Like he's, like I say, he created the most legendary song ever, ever recorded. I mean, tons of renditions on it. It's, I think it's one of the most, 
uh, one of the most covered songs out there. I could see that. But uh, so he uh, he started taking he took it out on tour, and what he did was because it wasn't really hitting still. Like he knew it could be something huge, but it wasn't hitting. So what he did was he started slowing down the tempo, dropping the octaves and whatnot. It, it actually, like if you heard heard his live performances of doing those, it's kind of creepy. Because I mean, you have the you have the religious verses and everything yeah. else like that in there, but um, he could he could not find a way to crack that code. So he'd be up there like singing like fifty <clears throat> verses. No, so he he changed out the verses. Oh. He changed them out, um, okay. swapped them around. He changed the tempo. He changed the octaves of which he sung. It. He'd go low. He'd go high. Oh, you, so you mean just like the revisions? Yeah, he kept okay. he revo- he revised like, it every bro, single bro, time. Be a long song. Even like so, like probably different multiple live performances of different versions. Correct. So like it was, it was never really the same. So what happened was, uh, John Kale, um, John Kale was actually in the audience one time while he was singing it, and uh, he went up to Cohen afterwards and he said, "Hey, can do you mind if I cover the song?" And Cohen, or no, yeah, Cohen was like, "Yeah, that's no, that's no issue." So he's he's like, "I'll, I'll send over the lyrics." 15 pages of lyrics. Wow. 15 pages. And the craziest thing is, is that Cohen, or it wasn't Cohen, it was uh, Kale. Kale cracked the code for the actual song itself. So all the verses that you hear are what Kale put together from everything okay. that oh, wow. Cohen wrote. And this was a guy in the crowd like, hey, I know I can do something special well, with this. Uh, Kale was actually a famous rock star at the time. Like he was, he was coming out with, he was, basically competing with Michael Jackson and all of them other people at oh, that time in the eighties. So, but he was, he was still well known. So he took it and he, he was able to break the code essentially of what hallelujah is now. Yeah. So out of all the 70 verses, he figured out the right ones to put in. So he recorded it, put it on the album, made it a little bit of a ripple. Um, not too much. So nothing really ever transpired of it. What the craziest thing happened next is a dude named Jeff, uh, yeah, Jeff, Jeff Buckley. Now, this guy was an aspiring singer, um, and he was sitting, he was house sitting at this woman's house, and he picks up a record. Uh, it was a, what was it? It was a John Kell's greatest hits, like a, but a record. And what year was this? This was 1992. Okay. So he picked it up put it on and he heard the song and like, he never heard it before that. So, but he heard the song then and he's like, this is, this is it. Like I want to cover this. It's beautiful. So he, so he's the, Jeff Buckley is a guy who like the actual song is who you hear sing. Okay. So he's the one that made, made it famous essentially. Yes, but he didn't make it famous himself. So what happened was he put it out in 1994 and it barely made a ripple as well. Like, it did not really do anything. And uh, in 1997, uh, Jeff Buckley drowned in Tennessee. Oh, wow. And then from there, that's whenever the song actually gained its popularity. And um, everyone started covering it and whatnot. And it was made even more famous, you know, in 2001 with the release of Shrek. But uh, that that's what really pushed the song forward. So his death. Correct. And and how did he drown? Did it specify? He just he like he went in wearing full clothes, boots, and everything into a river in Tennessee, and um and drowned. Oh wow! So do you think it was like 
on purpose? Or? No, no, no. Uh-huh. He was he, apparently uh, the last time that anyone saw him, he was walking into the river singing and whatnot, getting ready to swim. So, try just enjoying life. Yeah. So that that's a crazy story if you think about it. It took that long. And that many occurrences that happen, right? It, and it was on Shrek, you said? It was on Shrek too. Hallelujah. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't even remember that. Yeah. So it's, but it took, think about it though. It took a dude four years to write seven, 50 to 70 verses. And if Cohen would have never sang in front of Kel, then we would have never had the song what it was. I mean, essentially took him, what, about 16 years before? It, it popped off. Yeah. 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 That's, and the cool thing is, is like, you know, his writing credit is always on that, the original guy. Well, so. you, you know, what's crazy is that, uh, so, um, Cohen himself, he's still alive, I'm pretty sure, um, but, he, like, he does not do interviews, he does not, like, he only, he's only done, like, one interview, ever. Besides that, there's so much mystique, mystique around him, but at the same time, he's just a fucking legend. Because he created something that literally will transcend time. Oh, like, yeah. That song will always be around. So j- just the sheer fact that you you created something, but the way everything happened, like it was like the stars fucking aligned for that, you know? Because imagine if Kale never <laughs> even picked it up. That's what I'm saying. And I mean, that's the biggest thing too. Like like sometimes, you know, I'll get, I'll get down and whatnot and I'll be like, man, this fucking sucks. Like when I'm thinking about life and everything else like that. But then... You get, you get stories like that where it's like, it, it takes a minute, dude. And it just, it's something so pure. Some, that song is so fucking beautiful. I just, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, even the music journey I'm on essentially took me 10 years to this point, And I'm just now finally gaining traction. Yeah. 10 years yep. doing this. It takes a minute, dude. I mean, there are overnight successes, but sometimes the people that you think are overnight They've been putting a lot of work in. Oh, yeah. Right. For and sure. Sometimes things just snowball, and it can just lead to something yep. huge. You talk about, you know how NF is probably one of the, one of the fucking most influ- influential rappers right now. Yeah. Um, he, uh, I, I've heard stories of him, you know, going to these Christian music festivals back whenever he first started, bro. Like, literally begging for, begging, literally begging to play like asking for no cash except for gas to get there and then crashing out the promoter's house yeah you know what i mean so it's just everything takes time and sacrificing yep but the fact that you know this came about the way it did this song it's i it makes it so much more pure you know i I just i love that song to begin with and it's uh marty way project he did he did a cover on it and it's good pentatonics yeah amazing so many good covers. I mean, you type that song in on YouTube, and I mean, list would go on forever. Yeah, yeah. So that that's my that's my homework for the day. I like that. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, I got something. I came prepared with notes this time. Very nice. A little bit of a step up, dude. I'm I'm, I'm about to cry. I'm so proud of him. I'm proud of him too. <laughs> Every week he's so. making us proud. Everybody knows the song "Somewhere Over the Rainbow." Yeah, right? same song. same with "Hallelujah." There's been tons of like renditions, and different artists have sang it. But what many people do not know is that it was written in 1939. Oh wow! By uh, two people, their names were Harlan 
Harold Arlen and Yip Harburg. Okay. And so Yipster was the lyricist and Arlen was the composer. So basically the story goes, Arlen was uh, cruising down Sunset Boulevard. He was with his wife. They're on their way to this Chinese theater. And uh, it was right there that he came up with the tune for it. And so it went on to be put in the Wizard of Oz movie, which have, have you seen the Wizard of Oz? Yeah. Love the Wizard of Oz. I don't, about, I don't know about love. It's all right. It, it's a it's a cult classic. I don't know about classic, but it's all right. I mean, I for a Kansas boy, I take pride in it. I don't know about Kansas, but it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I've never actually seen it, but are you I for real? Whoa, dude! Wait, wait, wait! Hold on! I just did the party foul. I'm sorry, guys. All right, proceed. You see that? You are see you for real? <laughs> 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 yes, I'm for real. But anyway. It, the song was actually, uh, originally it was going to be taken out of the movie, but this producer, uh, Arthur Freed was his name. He stepped in and told the studio, if the movie goes, I go. Oh, wow. So, if the movie goes or the song goes? Yeah. Or, well, yeah. If the song, like if they take the song out of the movie, he's out. So basically, like, all right, we'll leave it in. What harm can it do? And then it went on to become one of the most, Iconic songs. Iconic songs in history. Whenever you hear that song, that's the, that's the movie you think about, though. Oh, yeah. I love the ukulele version. Yeah. That, uh, the Hawaiian singer. Mm-hmm. Israel, Israel something. Yeah. To me, that's the version that, you know, I personally enjoy the most. But, yeah, you definitely think of that movie and... I mean, timeless movie. I mean, imagine not saying the movie wouldn't have been great without that song, but for that guy to stick to his guns. Yep. And, and, and just lay it all out on the line. He literally created one of the most classical songs in the history of cinema. Yeah. I think that's kind of like with same with Hallelujah. You know, it only took one little thing to. Well, that one took a bunch of things to transpire. Well, no, I know. I'm just saying, like, if those little occurrences hadn't happened, yeah, it's, it, it wouldn't have be. Yeah, it's it's fate, man. It's stars aligning is what it is, and it, a lot of people, a lot of people try to force things. Yeah, and in life, you can't just force things. You know no. what I mean? It's it's got to be, it's got to happen naturally. The the most, like the greatest results I personally have attained is letting stuff fall naturally into place. Even like Lucid Paradox, the band I'm in now, it just, us naturally got together and, you know, they asked me to be a part of it. And yeah. It just, it just felt good to say yes. You know? Say yes to the dress. Say yes to the dress. Yes. Shout out to that show, Not. <laughs> <laughs> we don't promote marriage. Not I'm just here. Kidding. Not here. All right, you <laughs> okay, so... I went with another song that was recorded in 1975, I believe. And it was a song called Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, my God. By one of the greatest bands of all time. That is Queen. Oh. (laughs) Rush is great, too. Tom Sawyer. Nickelback. Oh, come on. You have to put Nickelback in in that, like, Tier, I I n- literally Nickelback would be in the top five for me. I mean, they've sold over like ten million records. Nickelback and Lincoln Park, probably my Lincoln Park favorite. is definitely above Nickelback. Yeah, um, I, I put Lincoln Park above Nickelback. I don't know, man. I like most of the time if I want to listen to something, it's 
and it's not rap that makes me want to you know cut drugs and go sling it yeah. um then i'm gonna listen to something that's you know calm and soothing and whatnot just reminisce just look you know? at that photograph look at this photograph Cry every time I laugh or something. <laughs> we we got to stop. We're gonna yeah, yeah, yeah. Co- co- copyright's gonna bing us. Um, <laughs> so sound exactly like it. Oh, I yeah. got Bohemian Rhapsody, and the crazy thing was, so um, Freddie Mercury, the lead singer of Queen, he oh, yeah. started writing the song in the late '60s, um, but they didn't start recording it till May of 1975. Um, one of those songs too. I mean, if you listen to it, so many different layers to it. Yeah. Um, and that's why they probably spent a whole month rehearsing the song before they even started recording it. Well, yeah. You you know back like back in the day when they record like there's so many fucking variants to that song, right? Like yeah. so so many so many there's so many opera, things that went into it. Though. Rock into it. Well but the issue is is like think of how many track overs they had to do on that. Because you, uh, you can't you wanna know how many? How many? They did over a hundred and eighty overdubs. Oh my god. Can you, can you imagine being the sound engineer in the middle <laughs> so, of that? So for pissed. the non-music person, that's like me saying a line and then doing it 179 more times. Like, yeah, I'd be there, you know, <laughs> but you think of like all the, like with the opera, the, the singing, the, you know, then, yeah. then this guy does his and this guy does his overdub over 180 overdubs. That's crazy. Oh man. My ears would be fucking death by the time i'm done recording that and, and so back then they used um like generation tapes you know the big reels mm-hmm. and they had to use over eight of those recording wise they, didn't they have to rewind them back and then re-record over those and it had so like it's not digital where you could just drag anything like no. it literally has to be fucking precise yeah i mean they're like when you talk about like cutting and pasting like I mean, eight different reels that yeah. they're going through yeah. to construct the song. Yeah. I wonder who that guy was, you know? Like, who's the guy that... It had to be a whole team Well, it was multiple it. guys, and the cool thing about this story is they recorded the song at four different studios. No shit? Yes. So, like, um, at one studio, they did, like, the piano parts, and the cool little backstory behind that is they supposedly used the same piano that the Beatles used when they recorded Hey Jude. So that's a little fun fact. That's, that's a little music that's trivia. Dope. That's yeah. dope. Um, but yeah, four different studios. Uh, the vocal parts alone, they talked about they would do it between 10 and 12 hours, just straight recording vocals. Oh, fuck. That is crazy. If I'm in the booth for like a couple hours, I'm like, yo, get me out. 10 yeah. to 12. And how much, how much, uh, how much? They're forced to do it on their voice too. Like you'd be raspy by the end. Oh, of it. dude! It's not like you smoke like a hundred cigarettes that day. I mean, in this, in a lot of the time, like I said, the the eight hundred eighty overdubs. I mean, you're literally saying the same shit yep. multiple times in different ways, different tones. Yep. Um, and that's why the song probably took three full weeks to record, and that's one song. Yep. Almost a month to record one song. Crazy. It's insane. But it's it's a huge. Uh, it's a huge song. They talk about like, um, you know, obviously it was big at its time, but when the movie Wayne's World came out, that song resurgenced again. Yeah. You know, the famous Wayne's mm-hmm. World part in the car and uh, took the song to even more heights at that point. Yep. They, uh, it's, it's amazing what Hollywood can do to mm-hmm. songs to really rejuvenate them and give them, give them another life. Kind of like what TikTok's doing now. Yep. It's for sure. Like, a lot of artists are getting paid. Like, it's kind of like a, 
was it a masked wolf? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean that out of nowhere, like one song goes viral on that, and then everyone starts streaming it. Boom, number one hit. Number one, and he had that song out for like two years. Yeah, it's amazing, dude. It's it's just I I love technology, man. Me too. <laughs> he said me too. Well, even this guy, uh, he's like an underground rapper. His name's Skits Craven. One of his songs mm-hmm. went viral on TikTok. We were just talking and, about him. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, then he did the DJ Vlad interview. And yep. I, uh, you know, I interviewed Skits Craven, right? Did you really? Yeah. I interviewed him. Uh, Wait, hold on, hold on. I think Tyler did tell me about that. Yeah. Like when he was first coming up, right? Or, yeah. Yeah. That's dope. Back in the day. Is that when you're doing like the original Red Room? Red yeah. Room? Yep. Original Red Room. I did not know. Well, now I kind of remember Tyler telling me about that, but that's dope. Yeah, dude. He's he's honestly like a really cool dude too. Uh, he's got a fucked up story. Yeah. Um, Watching the DJ Vlad interview, like it's pretty. Yeah, we we got in it. Like he's got he's got a lot of like uh, mental health problems and whatnot. So I mean that I mean that that reflects in his music too. Oh yeah, it's definitely dark, but I like it. So, but he's a, yeah, dude, I, when I first found him on Facebook, uh, fuck, what was it? I got the song fucking downloaded on my phone. It's probably that magic song. No, it's, uh, it's, that's all. And it's like, he's, he's in an insane asylum, but it's like an old fucking decrepit insane asylum. And you got all these people around him with masks on all white, but all like. You know what I mean? I think I remember that video. And then he's like, hello, my name is Evan D. Craven. Yeah. He, that one. That one's dope one. So. I got some head that's under my. Yeah. So. I forgot. <laughs> but he's he's like. <laughs> like he has a knife and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Do you still have that interview? I do, but I'd rather just redo a new one. Yeah, that'd be dope. I mean, I think. I think. I got I got the equipment for three people to fucking do it, so I'm down. I think I think Skits is super dope. So Skits, I'm contacting you after this. Yeah. Anyways, so let's uh let's wrap it up. We're 22 minutes in. All right. Um, that was short, sweet, simple, and to the point. So anything you want to say to the camera? How much you love our fans? I love you guys tremendously. Um. It makes it easier coming back each week knowing that you're there for us and we want to be there for you. So I think I, I think it makes it easier too whenever it's not monsooning out. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's been a treacherous road to get here sometimes. <laughs> but you know what? We persevere through and it's for the greater good, man. I love doing this. I love the red room. That's I love what, my co host. That's what I'm saying, man. It's you know, it's it's all vibes up in here. Yes. All vibes. You know what I think our our, our new thing should be? What's up? So it's all good vibes, right? So it's speak no evil. Hear no evil. See.